If you want to find your seat, make your way to your seats. Thank you for loving each other and saying hi. It's like some of you haven't seen each other for a week or something. So, uh, hey, uh, again, we're just glad that you're here um, braving the cold but beautiful day. Um, don't you love it around here when it's crisp and cold, but the mountains are in full view? Like, we live in a very cool place. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. A couple things before I jump into the message today. Um, I just want to say a quick uh, thank you. Um, we moved into our new house uh, yesterday, and um, I just want to thank all the people who came out to help us unload a truck. I know not everybody was able to, able to come, so don't feel guilty, but you never know when you say, hey, I need some help, like, who's going to show up? And uh, I'll tell you, I've moved a couple times in some different churches, and I was shocked how many people showed up and said, put me to work. We had the truck unloaded in 45 minutes. And so, hey, I love, I love this church. This church knows how to serve. And so thank you, everybody, for showing up. And now is the fun part of unloading all the boxes that are in the garage, trying to figure out where they go, and, and looking for the one thing that you always need and never can find. That's just how it is right now. And so I want to thank you all for that. The other thing is... Um, I want to thank you all for donating to the, uh, the candy to the trick-or-treat event. Um, thank you for all those who participated in putting it on. We were out uh, kind of on the river walk right over here, and then there was just tons of kids, tons of families going by, and there was scary people in our booth. Um, actually, uh, this is Dallas, and what was great was there was a little girl who came up. Dallas turned around, and this little girl screamed and ran the other way. So um, <laughs> Dallas was saying hi to people in his own way, uh, but, but we were able to... Uh, just say hi to a lot of people. I had a lot of people see our sign and go, oh, CTK, I didn't even know they had a Ferndale uh, CTK. So it was really cool to be out there. Here, I, I want to say thank you to those who donated candy, those who showed up on a cold day. But here's, here's my commitment and what we will continue to do as a, as a church. We will continue to serve in our community because that's what we're called to do. If the city's doing something, we want to be involved. Amen. We want to help our city because... Our job is not to be in here and worship, though this is great. Our job is to be out there shining for Jesus wherever we go. So that's what that all was. And I just want to say thank you for those who donated candy. Thank you for those who gave some time. This, I just love watching the church be the church and what we're called to do. So thank you for that. Whether or not uh, you like it or love it, Tuesday is Halloween. And I know that as soon as you say that, you split the room. For there's some people who are like, it's the greatest holiday ever. Uh, you may be in this room, or some of you are like, it is terrible. I want nothing to do with it, right? And, and we're split along those lines. I, I'm kind of, I don't love Halloween. I like candy, so I mean, sure. Um, uh, it's, it's a big deal to our community, so we'll be out there. I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Halloween, mainly because I don't like the idea of being scared. You can take my man card. I just don't like the, uh, all the, the, the scary stuff going on. How many of you like horror movies? And there's a few, like, I, I'm alive when I watch horror movies. How many of you are with me and go, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with that. I remember in college, I watched this scary, it was like a jump scare kind of movie, because I'm like, I'm cool. Let's go with the buddies to a horror movie. And, uh, and the first, right off the bat, it was like, kept you intense on the edge of your seat every time. The whole way through. And I, and it, college, you stud college guy, I walk out and say, never again. I will never go to a horror movie ever again in my life. And I've kept that. I don't, I don't go to horror movies. 
But again, these, these jump scare things, like, I just, I'm not into that, frightening. I am into scaring people, though. I mean, that's kind of fun. <laughs> Whole different side of it. I remember once as a kid, uh, and I'll get to my message in a minute. Um, I, I, as a kid, my brother and I went with my grandma to visit my uncle, and, and they had night church there. We were going go to go to church that night, and my grandma went into the bathroom to get ready. And my brother and I, like junior high, thought it was a great idea to turn off all the lights, and then we'll jump out and scare when she comes out. You can probably guess how that ended. Um, she was just scared to death. And she said these words to us. I'm so, so angry and scared. I can't even go to church. <laughs> like, we just caused my grandma to fall away from Jesus. I, uh, I, I don't know why we did that. But I just, I, those, those aren't really things I love being part of. And, but I was. So, I mean, my grandma's with Jesus now. So, grandma, I'm sorry. Um, uh, we told her profusely, sorry, 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 sorry. And um, why do I talk about this? Uh, because when, if you want to really get Christians kind of on that, that panic edge of your seat, you start talking about what? End times. It's just the end of the world. And, and you start to see a lot of people, even believers, start to get a little bit like, oh, yeah, in, in times, what's going to happen? Because from day to day, we typically don't think about it. You don't spend a whole lot, and most of us don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about the end times. And when you do, you're like, oh yeah, Jesus is coming back and, and, and all this stuff going on. And especially is true in times when you hear about wars in Israel, right? We, we prayed about it uh, last week. Um, you, you start asking questions, and I, and I get asked this question all the time as a pastor, but you see it online, like with, with Israel at war, does this mark the end, end times? Are we in the end? Is Jesus going to come back? What's going on? We got more questions than we got answers. And, and if you say, Adam, this war in Israel, does this mark, um, is, this, is this the end? Is this the, the war? Here's my answer to you. I don't know. Can we just leave that right there? And here's why. Uh, like you're, you're a pastor. You're supposed to know. Here's what I promise you. I'm not going to get up here and preach what is still debated. We're, like, we're not entirely sure. I'm not going to preach these things that we're unsure of as absolutes so that when I do preach absolutes, you can trust me. Are we okay with that? So, so the question is, is, is this war in Israel the end times? That's not really the question. We need to pray for Israel 100%. The Bible tells us to. And we need to pay attention to what's going on. We need to pay attention to what's going on. But the question isn't, is this the end times? But, but, but what do we do with this? Because if you ask me, is, are we in, in the end times? The answer is absolutely. Yes, we are. But we were in times in Jesus' day. He was telling his disciples we're in end times. We don't know when Jesus will return. He could return right now. Okay, I'm wrong. Um, maybe. And it's so, someday some pastor's going to do that, and it's going to happen. Like, whoa. Um, we don't know, but we are in the end times. So we don't ask, does this mean it's the end times? Though we do want to study and I, I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of podcasts. We need to know. But the better question is, how do we live now? What do we live, do in this time when these wars are going on, when Israel's at war? How do I live my life? And here's why this is important, because I've seen a lot of us Christians, and I'm not pointing fingers, us Christians do some of the wrong things out of panic because we're worried because of fear. That's what we want to talk about. And I thought... Because 
you get these questions. Is this the end times? Are we at the end? Is, is this mark the end of the world? I, I, I thought we'd study a portion of Scripture together in Matthew 24. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. But what's really, really cool is you're not the first person to ask that, nor were your grandparents. The disciples asked Jesus that same question. And, and, and when you start asking, go back to Matthew 24 because they asked it and Jesus answered and who better to listen to than Jesus when he's talking about the end times? So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to kind of walk through this slowly and, and, and just take out what Jesus is telling the disciples and through them what he's telling us. And the question we're going to, we're going to address is this. How do we live today in spite, in spite of everything that's going on? All the questions I have. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Will Jesus come back right now? Okay, didn't work that um, I don't know, but we do know how we should live. This is how Jesus answered the disciples of the same question you and I often ask. Matthew 24. So if you have your Bible, open up there. We're going to pray before we jump into the Word of God. Lord, as we open up your Word, would you open up our hearts and our ears to hear what you have to say? May we hear your words. But God, may we not just listen and deceive ourselves, but may we do what they say. May we follow your commands wholeheartedly, all in, with joy in our hearts, with peace in our hearts. May we hear your words, and may we follow them. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. How should we live? Here's what's happening. Matthew 24, here's what it says. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. So they're walking around Jerusalem looking at all these beautiful buildings and temples. Um, and Jesus said in that moment, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished, not one stone be left on top of another. This is fascinating because they're walking through and the disciples are pointing to Jesus, all this great stuff. Wow, look at that architecture. And Jesus turns and says, these are all going to be destroyed. <laughs> and it gets the disciples thinking. Verse 3. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? See, they ask the same question that often you and I ask. When we watch the news and what's going on, when we're at our lives and go, When will this come? Or what does all this mean? The disciples ask the same question, and now Jesus is going to jump in to some phenomenal end-time teachings for you and I through the disciples. Here's, here's what, uh, what, what he says. Told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Uh, pa pause right there for a second. The number one sign of the end times, according to the New Testament, is false prophets rising up. It's over and over in Scripture. In fact, so much so that I was going to um, next week jump into our Thanksgiving series. I'm like, we got to dig into this a little more. So we're going to talk about that a little next week about false prophets, the abomination of desecration. What does all that mean? Like, there's some great stuff in there. Um, but, but we need to first find out what Jesus says. And he says, and you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but do not panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth 
hint with more to come. Jesus now, pause there for a second, put your finger there. Um, Jesus now says, here's what's going to happen at the end, end of the world. You're going to hear of wars and famines and, and, and earthquakes all over the world. You're like, Jesus, you're supposed to be building this up here. This is all the stuff's going to happen. Think about it in today. Now, I'm not claiming that, that we are, the end is tomorrow. But if you look at what's going on, there's a lot of this very stuff happening in our world, isn't there? I mean, almost so much so that it's like, it's a little bit scary. And I, and I sat down, and, and talk about scary, uh, I sat down and I started looking. So what, what kind of wars are out there right now? And I found this map, and these are all places where there is armed conflict going on right now. And some of these have been going on for years. I mean, like, our world is painted pretty good there. And, and, and that's not even accurate because new things happen all the time. Uh, all of these things go on. Like we, we, we read about the war in Israel, right? That's on the news. We hear about that a lot. But did you forget that Russia and Ukraine are still at war? The problem is we just get tired of reporting them. And so in America, we just move on and go, yep, okay, they're at war. All right, move on. And we forget all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening in our world. And when Jesus says at the end times that there'll be wars, like you look, read your Bible and go, well, check. Yeah, that, there's stuff going on. We need to be aware and not just listen to well, the easy news. We need to dig in and realize what's happening in our world. He says, and there'll be famines. Famine is just lack of food. You can't grow food. And, and that's, it's terrible in our world. I mean, I, I don't know care where you stand on a global climate change and all of that, but the Bible predicted it before Al Gore did. And so uh, these things are, are going to happen towards the end, end times. And you, you look at, at the world and, and all the famine that's going on. I started reading about that this week, and it's just overwhelming. It's breaking my heart. How many countries? I, I think what, what I read was there's a, over a 20 countries right now declaring famine. They just can't feed their people. Like, man, I, I look at my food a little differently. I, I read about the, the, probably the greatest is in the, the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and, and it's endangering and it's been going on for a while, but 25.8 million people, they're in a famine. That they feed. Like when you read about what Jesus says, and there, there'll be wars and there'll be famines, like, man, check. This stuff is going on. And then I started reading about earthquakes. How many of you ever lived through an earthquake? Isn't that, that, that eerie feeling like the earth is shaking and what do I do? It's that eerie feeling with it. And, and, and they're happening all the time. I found this map, and this is updated daily. These are um, earthquakes that have happened that are 2.5 and above over. Uh, uh, this was, I took this on Thursday. This was from Wednesday of this week. Um, and, and these are all just 2.5 and above that are happening all over the world. And I started looking at that going, and you can go there. You can find that website and find out what happened yesterday because there's earthquakes that we, we can't report them all. There's happening all the time. Like, man, our planet is shaking, like, everywhere. And terrible earthquakes that lives are being lost. You start, start saying, Jesus, there's going to be wars and famine and earthquakes. You're like, well, check, check, check. This is intense stuff. And it's, it's no wonder that, that we, we look at that and say, when's the end going to come? Because this is rocking my world. There's wars going on. I'm a little bit scared. There's famines. Like, are we going to be able to feed people? There's earthquakes and, and, and people are dying. What do we do? How do we live 
in such times as this, what Jesus is telling his disciples, and it's very plain and clear, and I want you to highlight and underline it, when all of these things happen, don't panic. He says the words this. He says, but don't panic. Jesus said it. We just read it. Don't panic. But we are so good at panicking. That's like, some of us are professionals. Like, we know where the panic button is. It's on, right? I mean, like, and I don't want to make fun of anybody, but um, uh, COVID, which was a terrible, terrible thing. But we all went out and bought toilet paper. Some of you may still have leftover toilet paper. I, no joke, know a family that filled an entire bedroom full of toilet paper. Like, we're good at panicking. Like, there's a shortage of toilet paper at Costco. I better buy a truckload. Um, we're good at panicking. How about when I was younger, how many remember Y2K? Okay, okay. There were people stockpiling water, right? Like, we need, some people still have that water. I, I, I'm not saying don't prepare. There's wisdom in preparing. I'm saying don't panic. And there's a big difference. That when we see all this stuff happening, we begin to panic and get worried. And, and, and then there's people start stockpiling all this ammo in the world like, like they're going to, to war tomorrow. I'm like, don't panic. It's not wrong to prepare. Be ready. We were caught last year about this time with no power. Well, my wife was. I was out of town. And, and they had no power for a week. So we're like, we are grossly underprepared for this. We need more water. So we, so we bought a generator and you know, all that. That, that. That's not, there's a difference between, between panicking and being prepared. So please hear that. But there is genuinely this sense in America that we panic when, we're, when we, we see all this stuff happen. You want to panic a Christian, like I said, you start talking about the rapture. For some people, like, ah, what if I get left behind, right? Hey, listen, Jesus is coming back in the twinkling of an eye when you're not even ready for it. He will return, right? Now, um, uh, but back when I was a kid, and some of you have been around long enough, there was a, a book released called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. Anybody remember that? Maybe there's a couple of you. You can look it up. It was a book. It caused the church to panic. Like, ah, he's coming. What do we do? Let's all go hide in our houses. Uh, or when I was a kid, there was this movie called A Thief in the Night. Anyone ever watch that one? It was in the 70s. Here's the deal. That is like legit Christian horror stuff. <laughs> Like, it starts out, and you're like, ah, I'm going to die. Um, in fact, here's a good idea. Halloween's Tuesday. Put your kids with them. It's made in the 70s, so that alone will frighten them. Um, but all this stuff goes on, and this, this intense, and what do we do, and how do we live? In fact, when I was a kid, we did this thing called rapture drills. Anyone else know what that is? These rapture drills where, where like, my, my brother would... Again, I don't know why he went in the restroom. And, and so what we do is then we go change clothes real quick and you take the clothes you were wearing and lay them out nicely on the floor and go hide. And then when he comes out, he's like, he was raptured. Ah! Come on, I can't be the only one who ever did that. No? Okay, I'm weird. Um, yeah, yeah. Good luck. My brother's a pastor across town, so uh, the Ferndale's in trouble. Um, this is stuff we do. We should, but... We begin to panic and, and do this, like, this genuine fear, like, I'll be left behind. We see all this stuff going on, and we panic so well. Which is why Jesus looked at his disciples and says, don't panic. If the end time stuff frightens you, A, you're not alone, but B, I would say, there's no need to fear. 
No need to fear. Here's what the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 18. Such love, talking about Jesus' love and his dying on the cross, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows we've not fully experienced his perfect love. Listen, this is not saying you are a worthless Christian. What it's saying is just rest in the fact that Jesus loves you. If you love Jesus, he's, he's, he's the Lord of your life. When the rapture comes, guess where you're going to be? It's why I don't fear it. I know where I'm going to go. I don't fear death because I know where I'm going to go. I think part of it is that we don't really understand that, that Jesus died on the cross for us. And I'm not perfect, but his grace is amazing, isn't it? His blood covers my sin. And when I say, Jesus, forgive me, I'm forgiven. And when these things in our world start happening, what Jesus said to the disciples is saying to us, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It doesn't change the fact that there's a lot going on in our world, isn't it? We need not fear. Let's keep reading because I'm running out of time. It says this. Then, he said, these were the, we just read that these were the beginnings. And here it is. Brace yourselves. It says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Awesome! Thanks, Jesus. Really needed that pick-me-up today. Um, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. See, I told you false prophets there. Will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus says to his disciples, you'll be arrested, you'll be persecuted, you'll be killed. Like, we take it from intense to even more intense. In the end times, there will be persecution of Christians like we've not yet seen. And, and we see it a little bit. But in America, we, we don't have the place where we've served Jesus, we're going to die. But there's a lot of Christians serving around the world that if you're even seen with a Bible, you will be killed on the spot. And there are Christians walking around with Bibles in their hands. There are people who have to hide in order to go to church because they'll be killed, but they still go to church. You'll be arrested, you'll be persecuted. Giving your life for Jesus is what we call a martyr. Have you ever read any, uh, like the, the book of martyr, martyrs or anything? Anybody ever read about martyrs? You want to be challenged in your faith. <laughs> you want to be challenged in how you live. Read about how people who give their lives for Jesus and say, listen, you can kill me, but I will not deny Jesus. Man, talk about intensity. One of my, my, my heroes of the faith, a missionary, his name's Jim Elliott, said a, a quote that has changed my life, and I'm sure you heard of it. This is, if I'm getting a tattoo, this is what I'm getting. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And you, you know the story of Jim Elliot. He did give his life for a tribe trying to preach the gospel. They killed him. And you read those words and go, I've not yet lived like that. God, give me the ability and the faith. And, and so all of these things will happen. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, and many will turn away from me and betray me and hate me. He says, many will look at this and say, that's a price too high. 
Jesus, I don't know you. It says many like, oh Lord, help my faith, strengthen my, my feet, my heart. What are we to do with all of this going on when persecution in America ramps up like we've not yet seen? And, and personally, and this is not an absolute, but I believe it's coming. I believe it's going to cost us, even in America, to serve Jesus. More so than it does now. What are we to do? Jesus says the words right here, but the one who what? Endures. Every say endures. The one who endures to the end will be saved. You know what endurance means? It's the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. It's saying, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in. It's hard to do that when you're not all in in serving Jesus. When you have one foot on one side and one foot in the world, one foot with Jesus. Like I, I, It's hard to have that endurance in, in, in the face of that kind of danger and death. But when you're all in is when we start to build that endurance and say, Jesus, no matter what the world does, no matter what I see, Jesus, I will serve you. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, 3 through 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that, the, that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our comp confident hope of salvation. Endurance equals hope. I can endure in the face of sure death because I know where I go and I have the hope in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's saying, guys, listen, the end is coming. You're going to have all this. You're, you're, you're going to face sudden death because you follow me. But those who endure. And what do we know about the disciples? Because that's who it's going to. That's who Jesus is talking to. What we know about the disciples is they did just that. They took Jesus' words here in endurance and did the exact thing that he said. How do I know that? Look at how they died. Look at this chart. This chart is all the disciples and how they died. And I'll just highlight a few. Peter, he was crucified for his faith in Rome. Bartholomew was flayed alive in Asia Minor. Simon was crucified in Persia. Matthew was impaled in Ethiopia. Thomas was stabbed to death in India. When Jesus says, guys, disciples, listen, this stuff is coming. Endure, keep going. It's worth it. The disciples took that seriously. So much so that they gave their lives. John, uh, was, uh, he died in exile. He was sent to an island of Patmos where he wrote uh, the book of Revelation. He was one of the few that didn't die in a, in a gruesome, gruesome way. Why? How? How are, you, how are you able to do that? When they're about to kill you and say, deny Christ. To say, no, you're going to have to kill me. Because they heard Jesus' words and says, Jesus said, these are the end times, these are going to be happening, but those who endure to the end will be saved. The disciples took that seriously. And if Jesus is saying this to the disciples, I believe he's saying it to you and I. You follow Jesus in this kind of way. This is radical faith. American Christianity says, just be comforted in your faith. I can't preach that because I don't read it. I think we're living in times where we got to be bold with our faith, radical with our faith. faith. The disciples saw that.
and they lived it. One last verse for this week, and then we'll continue next week. But verse 14 says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The good news of Jesus Christ will be preached to the ends of the earth. I mean, I, I, I've seen different reports on how many people groups still have yet to hear, and, and I want that clock on the wall and in the back that just says, all right, this is how many people are left, and once they're preached, we're going to like, yes, we made it. All right, Jesus, anytime now, right? Sometimes we read it like that and go, as soon as it's preached, so if those missionaries would just be about their business, then, then Jesus could come and return, and I wouldn't have to go through any, any more of this crazy stuff in life. When we read those words of Jesus that way, waiting for it to happen, we are wrong. Because what Jesus is saying is not wait and watch to when the gospel's preached. What he's saying is, you go preach the gospel. He's saying, you and I, like, like I get up here and preach every Sunday. And maybe you're not called to get up in front of people to preach, but you are absolutely 100% called to preach to your neighbors, to speak and live this hope to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your school. This, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, here's what I want you to do, guys. There's going to be earthquakes and, and famine, and you're going to be persecuted and killed, but, but be about my business. Be about the hope of Jesus spread to the world. That's what this is all about. In times of danger and fear, our natural instinct is what it's, what's called self-preservation. What I want to do is me and my family go hide in my, my house, stock up toilet paper and ammo, and wait for the end to come. We, it's natural instinct. Jesus is telling his disciples and you and I, don't panic. Go and preach. Who knows but that maybe somebody in this room or watching online is called to a people group who have not yet heard. Wow! I don't know, but I know you're called to preach to the circles around you. You're called to live this kind of life and share this kind of hope. That is what the, the, Jesus is telling the disciples and the disciples heard. How do I know that? A minute ago, we talked about the disciples and how they died. Did you see where they died? Look at that chart again. Put that chart back up. Uh, Peter was crucified in Rome. Bartholomew was flayed in Asia Minor. Simon was crucified in Persia. Matthew was impaled in Ethiopia. Thomas was in India. Do you know what I notice here? It's not Jerusalem. You ever notice that? They took what Jesus said and say, all right, that's, he's talking to us. Let's go. And the disciples literally did just that. They went at the cost of their own life. Because when Jesus says go, he means go. You and I. That is what this is about. When you start talking end time stuff and your natural instinct is to go stock up stuff and hide in your house, I want you to hear Jesus' words and do quite the opposite. Prepare, but understand that out there who don't have this hope. And who, who knows, but maybe God is calling you to that person who's not yet heard the truth. And you ask yourself, how in America could somebody not know the truth? We are more and more, each and every year, a more biblically illiterate country 
than we've ever been. I believe there's some people in our own nation who've never heard the hope of Jesus Christ. Like, if we're going to get scared about anything, maybe it's that. There's no fear. The challenge for you and I, don't panic. Endure. Start building it now, Jesus. I'm going to serve you no matter what. And preach the gospel. Share the good news. Our job as a church, our job as believers, if we are truly end-time believers, is to shine the light of Jesus in the darkest of places. And I think a lot of times that can be your school or your work or your neighborhood. I know there's a lot of prophecies of the end time of, of Russia and, 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 and Iran gathering together to attack uh, Israel. And, and we watch for that because there's, there's prophecies on all that. But when you hear it, don't panic. Endure. And have a greater emphasis in your life of sharing Jesus. Your job as an end-time believer is to shine the light that somebody else has seen. That's what we get to be part of. That's what we're called to do. I'm going to end in, a, in, in one quick story. and I only share this because this is something that God spoke to me a few years back that, that challenged me right here. One of the places that my family and I have always loved to go camping is at Farragut State Park in Idaho. Anybody ever been there? It's a Navy base in North Idaho. Do the math, try to figure that out. In North Idaho. Uh, there's a big lake there. It's called the uh, Lake Ponderea. It's deep. In fact, they even do a submarine testing today in that lake in North Idaho. It's fascinating when you start studying it. And all over this, what used to be a Navy boot camp, there these separate different camps and different buildings or places where the buildings have been torn down. It was a World War II training center for Navy uh, sailors. And, and so you walk through here, and there's all kinds of history, and my, my kids probably hate it because I stop at every single plaque because I will read that, and I love history. One morning, I was out reading about one of the areas in the camp. It was called Camp Ward. It was an area where some of the sailors got stationed, and, 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 and I was just kind of out walking, and I, and I read about this sailor right here. Uh, he is James Ward, 20 years old. He was stationed on the, as a turret gunner on the USS Oklahoma on December 7, 1941, the attack of Pearl Harbor. When the attack came, it was sudden, but those sailors on the ship, uh, they said, all, all men to arms, to battle stations. And, and he, as a turret gunner, and I don't know if you've ever, and I, I don't know this because I haven't been on one, but I've studied, the uh, turrets would go like three, four, five, six decks deep, just this whole thing that would spin. And it would take 20 to 30 soldiers, or uh, uh, sailors, to, to load them, to pack them, and, and get everything ready so they could, you know, defend themselves. And they're in this turret uh, 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 part of the ship, and the USS Oklahoma, if you know, uh, it took three broadside torpedoes um, knocking holes in this ship and all, all over, knocking out the, the power generator and, and the, the battery, the backup battery. Just, it was terrible. And, and finally, the, the captain announced, abandoned ship, we're going down. Well, in a turret, um, what I learned in reading this, it was um, when you're down there, there's only one way in and out, and that's, that's up. And when you're at the bottom and the batteries and the power goes out, pretty dark and it just so happened that, that James Ward had the only flashlight of the group and and he began to shine on the stairs so the other sailors could get out and he stayed to the very end and did lose his life in Pearl Harbor 20 years old 
And I, I was standing there at, at Farragut that morning as I was talking to Jesus. And I, I just thought, I, 20 years old, I don't know if, if me at 20, I don't, I might just go straight to those stairs and out. Like, I'm out. Self-preservation, right? He was doing his job. He was doing what he was commanded to do. He went above and beyond, giving his own life. Every other sailor did get out, just barely. And I thought, I don't know, when the end times, like, you know that death is coming, I, I may run. I don't know. And, and I was praying, thinking about it, and like, wow, thank you for serving James Ward. I don't know. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, what about you? What about now? Like, I'm not in World War II, and I'm not comparing uh, what, what, what I'm facing with what James faced on the USS Oklahoma in, in, in 1971. What I'm saying is, is I felt the Holy Spirit say, say, Adam, you have hope. You have the light. Are you using it? Are you shining it? Are you preaching the gospel? And it wasn't a moment of condemnation to say, you're terrible, Adam. You're the worst. It was more of a challenge. Do I believe that what Jesus says and did is really real? It should change everything that I do. Priorities in my life. Church, here's what I want you to hear. I believe we're in end times. I do believe stuff that's going on in the Middle East and with Israel are markings of the end times. I think you would... You you can't miss that. I'll say, I'll put it that way. Yeah, we're in the end times, church. Church. What is it going to look like? I, I can just know what Jesus says here. I've heard a lot of great teachings that are phenomenal and deep about end time prophecies and stuff that like, just blows my mind. Like I've I, I studied Bible in college and I still don't understand everything. Can you hear from this pastor's heart that as we teach and preach on the end times, as you hear all this stuff, I need you to hear Jesus' voice. Don't panic. Don't panic. You don't need to live in fear. Endure. Even when we face, when we face difficult times, we will endure. And share the gospel. Live it. Because what happens is when we as a church have hope and peace when everything's going on, it's falling apart around us, they look to us and so, why, how? How do you have peace in this time? It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. I don't have all the answers for the end times. I have the answer. And when the world starts turning to the church, because I believe they will, because it's the only place that they're going to find peace, that's when you and I have an opportunity. Will you stand with me as I, as I pray and close? Worship team's going to close in a song. But I want a chance and an opportunity to pray for you. I need to first and foremost ask this question. If you're in this room or watching online, and when you start in the end times, there's fear, there's doubt, there's worry. Can I tell you that today, you don't have to have that fear. Just turn your eyes to Jesus. And there's a peace that passes all understanding that floods your heart. If you don't know Jesus today, in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. I just want to have an opportunity, because I have a microphone, to shine a light towards hope. 
towards peace. Or maybe you're here today, and in a moment I want you to pray with me that you say, Adam, I, I need to just rededicate my life to this thing. I, I need to go all in, because I've kind of been living for myself. I've been taking Jesus' word seriously. In a moment I'm going to pray. I want you to pray with me. That we'd walk out these doors, end time believers. <laughs> my heart for CTK Ferndale is that we are such a light and a pillar of our community. Not because I want to draw attention and build big buildings and do great, but because there are people who don't know Jesus, that don't know hope, and I can't imagine living life without that hope. That's what we get to be part of. That's what we get to be part of, church. This should make you smile and have joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, James says. This is what we get to do. And no matter what happens in our world and what the enemy throws at us, I have peace in Jesus. It's not to make it easy. It's to make it fun. But I got joy. Would you pray with me? And then the worship team's going to close us in a song. We'll be done. Lord, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. For rising again three days later, defeating death, hell, in the grave that I could have hope of eternal life and need not fear death because of what you did. I pray the blood of Jesus over all of our sins. God, if anybody in this room does not yet know you, they would pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I confess you as Lord and Savior that you rose from the dead. And God, I pray that anybody who prayed that prayer, there would be a peace, there would be a hope there'd be new understanding of who you are. Jesus, I pray for anybody in this room, and, and we're all guilty of it from time to time for getting too inward-focused, eyes down on, on our own stuff. God, forgive us for making this church Christianity thing about us. God, may we truly be end-time believers. May we truly be an end-time church here at Christ the King Ferndale that we would preach the gospel that we would share the hope. We would not panic. We would endure and we would preach. God, thank you for that opportunity and that peace we have in you. God, we love you. We praise you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, we're going to close with this song. I want you to worship, but commit your lives to him and let to you and bring you peace.